On March 11th, 1995, Chrono Trigger was released for the Super NES. It is a game about a guy goes around in time, teams up with a frog. In 1996, a visual novel side story thing called Radical Dreamers was released. And in 1999, a third game in the series was released, Chrono Cross. I have played Chrono Trigger at some point. I remember parts of it. My strongest memory is of fighting a red dinosaur for a side quest, I think. But since then, I have read about the series, and I am led to believe that one of its themes is free will. According to this article at chronocompendium.com, Destiny and fate do not exist in the Chrono series. That is, no events are predetermined and anything can be changed through time traveling. In the scope of the timeline, time flows normally until rewritten by time travelers. To make a somewhat mathematical example, in Timeline X, if event Y shall rewrite certain events to form new Timeline X prime, even if event Y surely shall occur, time must flow until reaching Z, the time of Y's occurrence, until X can be rewritten to X prime. This may seem overly simple, but it is important to establish free will in the Chrono series as the ability to alter the events of history to make a better world from the central theme of the games. Maybe that's supposed to say forms the central theme of the games. And this is the third strongest podcast. I forget where we left off. What we do um, last week? We got the we had the fun uh, chain of exposition where Apple Kid invented the trout yogurt machine, and the delivery man failed to deliver it, and Talarama is done fasting, and Electra needs a trout yogurt machine or needs trout yogurt for the guest. At Manotoli, which so, is where Paula is. Yeah? So much information at once. Where do we go first? Well, that's the the great thing is you, you, there's only one place you can go first. That's right. That's it's right. It's telling you like five or six pieces of information, but they all add up very, very directly to go to the monkey cave. Yeah. In the desert. And previously, we had gone there and said, uh, this is for a later part of the game, basically, and about as direct as a game can tell you. Mm-hmm. Now here we are. The monkey cave has weird music. Yeah, it does. I still feel like this is like the second time we've talked about the monkey cave now, kind of. Uh, or this. Oh, that's right. This is the second time we've talked about a monkey cave because we also talked about a very similar dungeon in Majora's Mask. And I still feel like I'm not adequately researched enough to talk about it completely because I feel like those can't be the only two games that this type of dungeon exists in. Like, some Dragon Quest game already did this, right? Maybe? It's got to be in other games. Like, what if it's not, though? At the very least, having a maze of locked doors has got to be in other games. Someday I'll know after I, I play every game. Yeah, we got to play a lot I more games. I have long thought sure. that this was either something that's in other games or like a reference to some 
old joke or old story, you know? Yeah. I ha- I'm now open to the possibility that Earthbound basically invented this and Majora's Mask kind of ripped it off. And that's the whole, like, that's that's the two examples. Or if any, there are other examples, then they came after Majora's Mask. Maybe. Hard, hard to tell. in my mind. Yeah, it's very hard to tell. Mm. I guess we should um, explain for the listener. Yeah, let's might not be playing the video listener. game yeah. with us. What is a monkey cave? It's not just a cave with a lot of monkeys, but it is a cave with a lot of monkeys. That is true. There are probably several dozen monkeys in this cave. I did so not count cool. them. I'm not going to go count them. Uh, this is a type of dungeon in a series of types of dungeons. And this one's pretty unique, like we've been intimating, in that there's there are enemies. I was going to say there's no enemies, but there are enemies. But they're enemies we've already fought, and they almost just don't belong here. Hmm. It, it's uh, uh, It bears further investigation why those enemies are here, but go on. I wonder if it's just to like inform the player that, yes, this is a dungeon we promise. <laughs> See, here's your enemy. And it's like an enemy you've already dealt with. Hmm. that you're Uh, way too strong for yeah but what you're actually here to do is that each monkey down here is guarding a door in part of a maze and each monkey wants a different item and i believe every item that you need is in this cave kinda no there's there's two monkeys to start out with that there are no present boxes before you see them so there are mm. two items that you definitely have to get from outside of the cave well, but then, at least one if one of them has the thing in the other in the other path you could do oh, it with only one thing but i'm not maybe. sure it does be but then towards the very end yeah. they reimburse those items i think which is like a weird <laughs> equivalent exchange thing yeah it's not i'm not totally sure but like you can't come in with no items mm-hmm but the items you need are available at the drugstore, which is just around the corner. So mm-hmm. the game yeah. understands. That's fun. Yeah, yes. they don't make you trek to a different city or something. And so you have to navigate and... the maze, trading an item to get access to the next item, and then walking back to the other side of the dungeon to give that item to another monkey, uh, so on and so forth. And it, like... It becomes very monotonous and stupid, and it it dawns on you as you play through this that this is a big joke. And a big part of the challenge is the navigation, because all the rooms look basically the same. Yeah. The format is really repetitive. And so you kind of, if you want to be really systematic, then you have to draw your own map and Hmm. keep track somewhere else because the game's not going to help you keep track of where you've been and where you need to go next. All these monkeys look the same and all of these tunnels look the same. I have again started... Oh, go ahead. Aren't there at least a couple that look different? Isn't there one with a bow on its head? (laughs) Oh, yeah. There's Mankana who has a bow Uh, on her head. And I think that's the one bow monkey. Yeah, but that's not super helpful. No. I've started uh, using the maps from the player's guide, uh, and those have been very, very helpful, Mm. especially in sections like this. 
um each time you're talking the monkeys all have really cool unique dialogue too there's a ton of dialogue here that's the thing yes some of them have names (laughs) this kind of gives it a different flavor than the aforementioned similar beneath the well dungeon in majora's mask where in that one a lot of it it's maybe not as intricate of a maze as far as branching paths go. However, part of the puzzle there is trying to suss out exactly what item you're supposed to present. Yes, because they speak in riddles, mm. the mummies. It's a mummy maze, not a monkey maze. <laughs> and they speak in riddles about what they want. And acquiring the things that they want isn't as simple as opening a treasure chest you have to like if the guy wants a bug you're like well how do i get bugs and you have to use your zelda knowledge to acquire a bug um and in earthbound it's it's not about figuring out what someone wants i i'm pretty sure nobody is coy at all about what they want some Mm -hmm. of them are humorously direct and some of them are kind of indirect but they always say the exact name of the item they need and um Nothing is difficult to acquire either. Everything is just presented in a uh, present box, except for the one monkey who will keep giving you fresh eggs. Hmm. Egg monkey. There's your little extra puzzle. The There's a monkey who wants a fresh egg, and there's a monkey who will give you a fresh egg. You have to deliver the fresh egg to the monkey before it hatches into a chick. Yeah, that's good. So you have to really internalize the layout of the maze. Yeah. It's a time really, challenge. Yeah. You really just end up coming off as like having to manage a bunch of like obnoxious monkeys who <laughs> all have things they need. And that gives it a different flavor. And I really like it. Yeah. Here's a monkey... the reason. Oh, go ahead. That I think this might be the original version of this. If you look at the rest of Earthbound. And especially if you look at, like, Brick Road and the, like, the character of someone who's like, I want to make a dungeon. I'll figure out how to make a dungeon. Here's my dungeon. And you can see the artifice and the naivete of the dungeon's construction. Uh, You see that Earthbound is being put together by a person or people who are interested in deconstructing rpgs and dungeons and i think that the monkey cave can be read as a parody of rpg games where all that really happens in earthbound is you walk from place to place and carry the item to the guy who needs the item and beat up some monsters along the way and that's earthbound and that's every rpg in a sense and so this game is kind of stripping the idea of play a video game down to its most basic structure and making it look stupid (laughs) and making you think about the idea of video games and so i think itoi or someone might have come up with this as a joke on that concept and then uh, that's why it's not anywhere else because it's an idea that's original to earthbound Mm. And then they stole it from Majora's Mask. I just remembered another game that also stole, steals this in a really oh. cute and different way. Uh, can I what spoil a puzzle for the video game Anodyne 2? 
Well, now, yeah, apparently, uh, there's a part in Anodyne Two where you do one of these like trade sequences. Maybe this is more Straw Millionaire, um, but you do it entirely on one screen where there are just like oh, twenty NPCs. We talked about this on the podcast before. Oh, okay, on it's a really podcast. It's really good, listener. It's really good. You do it all on <laughs> one screen. Just there's a bunch of NPCs all milling about one screen, and you just stay on that screen and dispense items. Uh, until you're the last one left. It's great. I love to repeat myself on podcasts. Speaking of repeating myself, uh, there's a monkey here that says crap. Ooh. Oh, man. Which I think I mentioned on the last episode. I always assumed crap was like a curse word yeah, as a kid, but Earthbound uses it and Homestar Runner uses it. So it's a uh, turns out it's not. <laughs> We get some good items here in the monkey yeah. cave. We get yeah, a... F- oh, good. When you open one of the presents in this area, it always says, whoa, every time, which is cool. It's very yeah, exciting to open these the, ones. Like, Eastern, like, cool Southeast Asian present boxes, <laughs> yeah. not the boring European present boxes. Yeah, they look different. I had internalized them as treasure chests, but I don't think that's what that is. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's hard to tell. It's like they are, I imagine them as cardboard or something, but lined with gold paper hmm. and like little green ribbon around the top. It's pretty funny uh, when the fir- when I opened the first one and it's like, whoa, it's a pizza. <laughs> it's like, that is interesting. <laughs> Why is there a pizza in this box? That is exciting. I also say whoa when I'm presented with pizza. Yeah, exactly. But there are some very exciting things in some of these boxes. Yeah. There's a flame pendant, which is now, we we didn't mention on the last episode, we've started to acquire pendants, Mm. which are like particularly good uh, defense items. Uh, And the flame pendant in particular protects you from PSI fire, right? Yeah. That's pretty Making sweet. it like okay. really good in this video game. We get the uh, neutralizer. Oh yeah, which <laughs> is Jeff's best tool, basically. Like you spend a lot of time repairing a lot of Jeff's nonsense for a lot of items that only work sometimes and have a chance of mm-hmm. missing, but the neutralizer is the item that works. I'm pretty sure 100 percent of the time. And, like, removes status effects and shields off of both your party and the enemy party. Which makes it, like, incredibly useful for some later boss fights. Mm. Jeez, I didn't know how good this was. Yeah. It's, like, shockingly good. It's, like, you don't need the shield killer ever because you can just use the neutralizer instead. Mm. Man. Good tip. Wish I had one of those. There's also a bag of Dragonite. Yeah, that was a whoa for me. I did not expect <laughs> uh, an item that turns you into a dragon in battle. I, I guess I'd forgotten about this one. <laughs> it's weird. I don't know. Yeah, it, it does seem a bit different from the other stuff you get so far in this game. Uh, should we talk about Man K Man? Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah. Who is like the final boss monkey of the dungeon basically <laughs> who requires the king banana which i think you have to do the 
the egg puzzle to get. Mm, makes sense. I think I think that's what it is. That sounds right. Uh, uh, he's just one of the named ones, and Man K Man is a very funny name to name a monkey. <laughs> yes. The other monkey with a name is Mankana, who is that name is supposed to be Madonna, right? Oh, that makes sense. I somehow I didn't think of well, that. Okay, I'm not sure. I don't. I mean, what else? I think because when you said it out loud, I th- I was thinking A N A, but it, it's O N N A. It has to be Madonna. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I forget what she wants. She wants a tasty pizza. Oh, okay. Just like her namesake. (laughs) The reason I, to go back or maybe to repeat myself, I think the reason the enemies here are, you know, way behind where you're supposed to be in the game might be that this is a joke dungeon and so the enemies are here as a joke to like point out how dumb this is it may also be that because like the monkey cave doesn't necessarily have to be in the desert it could be that they had this earlier in the game for some reason at some point Mm. and when they decided to put it later uh they just copied and pasted the or like they just changed the entrance (laughs) Hmm. Uh, because inside all that really matters is what that you get the trout yogurt machine like Mm -hmm. it doesn't it doesn't have any real connection to anything else you can change the stuff outside for wherever you want to say the monkey cave is supposed to be Um, I think they may have Although the the specific items involved are kind of are specific to your level, aren't they? Mm. Hmm. I I still think it's that they included the enemies to signpost that this is a dungeon space. Yeah, like it's what are the enemies just... in here? It's, it's... um, Ramblin' Evil Mushroom, oh. or are they the second tier? Yeah, extremely evil mushrooms mm. from okay. I believe they are Strutton. Yeah. Yeah, cave cave types. Uh you can get all the way through this maze and then have to leave in shame if you forgot to bring with you the pencil eraser. Mm. And it's not suggested at all that you would need the pencil eraser. It never is. So again, it's a joke. It's a shaggy dog story. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh it's about how stupid games are. Um Tracy has some, uh, it's like this. Tracy has this text in the text dump. Sorry to bother you, big bro. This is Escargo Express. I had a phone call from a friend of yours recently. She asked me to hold on to the pencil eraser machine. Do you know anything about this? Well, since the old, you know about the item, I'll hold on to it for you. If you need it, I'll deliver it to you anytime you want. Oh yeah, big bro. I'm glad I could help out you and your friends. Click. So apparently, uh, you know, if if Paula happens to have the pencil eraser during this important uh, scene, uh, I don't know when it gets triggered 
you know, it would be really funny if you got this call from Tracy right after you saw that pencil hmm. statue in the cave. I th um, think it's right after you exit the department store. I think oh, I okay. saw that on a video. Hmm. Um, which is really funny because that's like the only hint you're going to get that you're going to need it later. If you happen to somehow <laughs> yeah. inventory at that time. Um, and there's, I guess, special texts for when the person uh, delivers the pencil eraser. There's text here that says, Escargo Express, quote, we treat your package like it was our only child, <laughs> unquote. I'm here with your pencil eraser. Here you are. Thank you very much. Um, but she also has text that must be from this part around here. Where is it? Hey, bro, you're here for the pencil eraser, aren't you? Yes or no? Oh, you aren't? I was ready to give it to you. Or if you take it, here's the pencil eraser. What are you going to use it for? Sorry, I really shouldn't inquire about a customer's private matters. <laughs> These can only be if you walk to Onette to get the pencil eraser from Tracy in person. Wow, right? yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's that seems unlikely, but I'm glad they dealt with it. Anyway, what's beyond the pencil statue? Now that I brought the pencil eraser back and went all the way th back through the maze and erased the pencil. There's a guy. That's Talarama. Talarama. He's the mystic dude who hangs out with a bunch of monkeys in a cave. Yes, he has been fasting for a while and so was unavailable for visits, but he's ready to talk to you now. I like that it's perfectly s silent in this room. There's no music. Yeah, that's cool. It, it makes it seem very important. Absolutely. And, you know, we're going to have a really important lore dump here. It's very long. The truth of space and time moves through the universe like a wave. Truth speaks through space and matter and makes itself known to human beings. I was waiting for you and you came. This was destined to happen. In truth, all is predetermined. Ness, Paula, Jeff, and Pooh, when these four powers gather, twisted space will bring back peace to the world. Do you understand? It doesn't matter. Proceed as you wish. Open the treasure box and take what is inside with you. Did you come in search of this? Someone left it behind in this hole. And you get the trout yogurt machine. And he goes on. The adventure that lies ahead won't be easy. I'll give you a special skill to help you move through space as you wish. Learn the skill from the monkey over there. Uh, would you like to learn this special power? And if you say no, he says, ha, huh, that's your prerogative. <laughs> be sure that you do not talk to the monkey and go. <laughs> oh my gosh. So you can just not learn it. I get, yeah, Why? what's forcing you to learn? Oh, wait, you do need it to make progress in the game. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually you will need it, so. Uh, cool. He name dropped Pooh. That's the first time we've heard that name. Yeah. Mm. That's or, a since good foreshadowing. Since naming the character, I suppose. Yeah. So let's analyze the themes here. The truth of space and time move through the universe like a wave. Well, that's self-evident. It's just, <laughs> you know, introducing us. Truth speaks through space and matter and makes itself known to human beings. Huh. 
I never thought about it before, but yeah. I was waiting for you and you came. You, this was destined to happen. In truth, all is predetermined. So, I don't want anyone listening to this to think that I'm taking this too seriously. And so, what you're about to hear might be an illusion. But the game has kind of a... It has this obsession with destiny that is just playing by the rules of epic adventure. Hmm. Ness, you're the chosen one and you're destined to find all these friends and you're destined to beat the bad guy. Because that's like the order of the day. Um, not the order of the day. That's de rigueur. The catch of the day. On the other hand, like... There is a sense in which the game does not believe in predetermination. Possibly the, the or to me, the most obvious example of this is the fact that Buzz Buzz has come back in time in an effort to change the future. And later on, Ness will go back in time to change things. Hmm. And... Possibly destiny is complicated enough that, you know, you are destined to change how things work out. Um, or maybe that's Chrono Trigger. But my point here is that this speech is uh, like, even though there's no music in this room, and even though Talarama is floating, none of this means anything it's just there as set dressing and earthbound does not actually have any actual cosmic story that it's trying to tell it's just saying cool stuff that sounds cool well it's definitely something that this character would say yes my note says talarama says some nonsense uh, <laughs> some nonsense a... yes but it's you know they like you said, it is doing the RPG story. It is doing the yeah. epic story. So at this juncture, at this like story beat, it's time for some sage character to show up and exposit all of this information to the protagonists. And this is a good point where we're in the the halfway point of the game after beating the Mani Mani statue. We like, I I think it is true that the tone of the game is shifting, and this is like responding or enforcing the new tone of a grander scale and higher stakes. So in that sense, it's not just like uh, drama for drama's sake. It is in the service of the arc, but it isn't an, a story arc so much as it is a tone arc. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's no substance here. It's all vibes. Unless he's it's talking also a good about... punchline for the dungeon. Like, you were just doing absolute, the most insipid trading sequence, and it gets finished off with this guy telling you that truth speaks through space and matter and makes itself known to human beings. So that's pretty fantastic. Yeah, I do like the juxtaposition between that stuff and, t like, talking to monkeys who just want you to bring them food. It's Yeah. It's funny, but it's also, like... The simplicity of the monkeys does kind of go along with this, the deep stuff. Like, you know, the real truth is sometimes that simple. So, Wow. 
I think it works. Yeah. Also, I, I, I noticed this time that when he says, do you understand? That's a line that a lot of people say, and then they ask you yes or no. But in his case, he just says, do you understand? It doesn't matter. And he keeps talking. Yep. So. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know about you two, but uh, I would like to learn how to teleport. Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. Uh, teleporting in this game is very cool. Yeah. Because it's not just like some kind of Dragon Quest spell you cast. You also have to prepare yourself a little runway. <laughs> uh, I don't know why they did this, but I like it a lot. The yeah. idea that like teleporting is relatively relatively free when it comes to like it's like two psychic points. But the fact that it's hard to pull off when you're in tight quarters makes it something that's not like the most convenient way to travel. And that's fascinating. Yeah. You got to work for it a I little. Think the game doesn't really want like it it wants you to experience the nitty-gritty of the, you know, curves and topology of the places that you're in, right? It wants you to be aware of the world. Yeah, that's and cool. And so if if you're going to skip over a bunch of the world to get from Onet to Foreside in a few seconds, you are the, you still have to demonstrate kind of a mastery of the location and be like, well, I can I I I can get there because I know this place already and mm. I know where I can find a good place to teleport. And it might also come from just like the visual of what what are these kids doing when they teleport and hmm. the idea of running really fast <laughs> but not in like a it's it's difficult to say what's happening um our understanding is informed a little bit by smash brothers introductions but for a long time, I kind of thought that you run in Earthbound, you run really fast and then you kind of take off like you're running fast enough to escape Earth's gravity. And so you're able to fly away. Hmm. Then I noticed that, like, as far as I know, you don't really see them leaving the ground. Mm -hmm. Do you? I don't think so. I don't think so. OK. And so it might be just like. You run really fast into like a wormhole and then mm. you come out of another wormhole and you land there. Or it might be that you literally are running really fast over the surface of the earth. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> I kind of thought of it as back to the future. And you're just yeah like, hitting a certain speed and then you teleport. No, that's, that's important to uh, because... It's uh, not unlikely that someone saw that yeah. movie. That's a really good point. Zach, what do you think is happening? I was looking mm. to see when that came out to see if that uh, matched up, and it does match up. That that could be an influence. Mm -hmm. What did you ask me? I'm sorry. What do you think is happening when they teleport? Mm. 
I think it is a thing that they just have to get that much speed up to enter some kind of warp state where they can, you know, detach themselves mm-hmm. from three-dimensional reality and then reassert themselves later on. Okay. Teleport. But, like, you have to, like, get up to a certain speed to hit that point where you're able to do that. Mm-hmm. The other friggin' thing about teleporting is that you don't have to run in a straight line you can build up speed by like moving yourself around on a map. You can use the D pad to change direction. Yeah. And in this way, teleport yourself out of tight spaces. If you're really good at the game. (laughs) Yep. It introduces an element of skill to it, which is kind of cool. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, now that we it's learned a tactile that. game oh. mechanic. Yeah. 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 And the monkey we... teaches you that. Yes. We have so many different places we can go now. Yes, it's going to be a lot easier for me to go back to Onet to check on things all the time. And also I can I can run all the way to Winters and mess around in Winters. Yeah. Well, we'll be there in a little bit. But first, we have to uh, go check on that ridiculous chain quest we got uh, last episode. Yes, it's hard to think about how the possibilities presented by teleportation when you are you've finally got the thing that you have you the thing that you actually went into the cave for. You want to handle that before you gallivant around eagle wind the trout yogurt machine yeah did you know you can use it in battle no uh, jeff you can't can, use it on the overworld jeff can use it in battle what yeah that's crazy what does it do i think it just dispenses yogurt it makes sense is that good but I is think- it like the yogurt item that you can get later on oh no i, I am mixing things up hold on Oh, Zach. If Jeff, if used by Jeff in battle, it will shoot yogurt at random enemy for low damage. There it is. Oh, okay. Rad. Oh. (laughs) Well, it's something. Well, we can bring this to the Monotoli Tower. We're a full, we're halfway through the game by some metrics, and they're still putting in goofy extra non-critical path stuff (laughs) stuff that you can just discover and it doesn't get you anything this item you're gonna have for all of three minutes has a function you don't know about because you take it to to... (laughs) yeah electra is standing outside of the monotoli building just waiting for that yogurt machine you can talk to her she realizes you have it, and she will take it from you before you can object. <laughs> what else could Which, it be for? It's so specific. It's got to be for her. I just love that she doesn't ask permission. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and she says that we can. she will let us up to the secret top floor where we could not get to before. Hmm. Uh, we can go back into the Monotoli building. We can pass the guy who lost his shirt in a solitaire tournament. 
who we forgot to mention before. Yeah. Glad you brought that guy up. Uh, it's a good joke. Yeah. And then we get up to the top, top, top floor of the Monticelli building. And we're in. You have to take the secret extra elevator that goes to the top floor. Mm, exclusive Probably elevator. a fire hazard. I think real life high rises have separate elevators when you get to certain levels. I think that's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Huh. Um. And so this represents, like, we've done a whole bunch of different dungeons in a row, right? We did mm -hmm. the Mole Cave, which was like a traditional Dragon Quest-style big maze dungeon or whatever. We did Moonside, which was playing with having a... Oh, no, I, I skipped one. We did the, uh, department, the store. department store, which is just like a gauntlet. It was just a, you need to get to the end of this room and get past all these enemies. Uh, then we did Moonside, which is playing with the town space and you know existing as a hostile space that we've talked about. Then we did the Monkey Cave, which is its own entire creation of itself. And now, here at the end of Foreside, we're going back into what I would consider kind of a more traditional dungeon for the way this game does dungeons, where... Mm -hmm. It's kind of a maze, but it's mostly just branching paths that all eventually lead you into the same little area with some side paths here to get some items. Yeah, it might as well what be a What I would cave. say is, it it, I think that it actually is different from other dungeons in this game in a way that's not obvious to if you if you've played it before and you know what's going on. Yeah, because the to the naive player, it's. It's more of a maze because all the rooms look the same. And also the rooms link up in ways that don't make sense. Yeah. There are these two doors that are right next to each other in the hallway. You go into one one of those doors. You walk straight across a room. You go through the door on the other side and you come out into the hallway where you already were. Mm. I don't know if that's on purpose. I think it, it it can read as, well, the game doesn't have the power to display a door on, you know, the camera side of the room. Mm. So this is all we can do. But it is really um, disorienting. Yeah. And it makes the place challenging because unlike in a cave, you're not really sure whether you're making forward progress. You come back out into that hallway and you don't have a reason to believe this is the same hallway instead of another hallway that looks the same. And I think that that's what makes this, the, the thing that they're doing the, you know, the twist on the dungeon formula is that this one is almost a, a maze in the classical sense of you don't know where you are in this dungeon. It yeah. Is... I, I think oh, go ahead. It, it feels a lot like an actual office building, like for, 48th floor of a, like kind of sterile uh, skyscraper, like with hallways and little offices and yeah. desks. Like it actually does feel like that if, if everything kind of looks the same. Um, it is a bit like definitely unnerving in that way. You're not sure where you've come out of and yeah, all the doors look the same. And I think that's cool. I think that must be on purpose. Yeah, it's fun to put this in a modern RPG and be like, where, you yeah. know, we talked about 
what kind of environs can we put in a modern RPG and like terrifying office <laughs> maze is a pretty good pull. Yeah. Especially as the finale to like your big act in the big city. Mm, yeah. The ultimate dungeon in the big city is the cubicle. Mm. <laughs> so true. Also, I, oh, the enemies, uh, they don't just engage you. They don't just rush up to you and you start a fight. They try to get your like secret pass number, passcode number card. And they they talk to you before they start fighting you is basically what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's not like a variety of enemies. It's just the same robot over and over again, reinforcing the sterile conformity of corporate eagle land yeah yeah this it's kind of creepy that they give you a chance to not fight but you don't know what to do you don't have a secret yeah card. yes and you feel like or you can feel like maybe i'm not really prepared for this dungeon was i supposed to get the code yeah. somewhere else in the game before i got here I assume there's not a secret to... code that I just don't know about. <laughs> well, I know the secret code, but I'm making this podcast for the normies who don't <laughs> okay. know about the real big secrets. Can you just there. tell me after? <laughs> the, the, no, I'm not going to tell you. The, uh, do we have anything else to say before we... Oh, we can meet Electra up here. And she'll... She has her... <laughs> really pathetic like preschool looking apartment and she'll give you some trout yogurt and it restores like six hp right something like that yeah it's not good um and then she also says master pokey's cool he gave me something the other day and said this is fit for a maid <sighs> and i remember reading about the localization of this line and like it's the sentiment expressed it's like a pun or something in japanese that can't really translate um and so it comes off as just to me anyway this line is bizarre and inexplicable and fits in my head and it doesn't read as a joke and it barely reads as having any content like i don't even know what the translator is trying to make out of this yeah it's very strange. It's just kind of I thought, sad. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was that he was insulting her and she took it as a compliment. That's yeah. that's part of it, too. Um, but, like, the fact that we have no idea what the gift was. Yeah. Really gets under my skin. Seriously, think about talking to anyone in life ever. And they say, my boss gave me a gift. He said... This is a good gift for someone like you. Yeah, that's not the end of and the that's story. that's all you get. Yes, exactly. It must have been an Messed insignificant up. item. <laughs> but it kind of adds to making this dungeon really creepy. Yeah, it's weird. I remember playing this as a kid, being filled with dread during <laughs> this section in a way that other dungeons did not have that effect on mm. me. It's playing the, the suspicious zombies? music, right? 
Um, oh, I, I forget what music it is here, but it's not normal dungeon music either, yeah. I think it's the suspicious music that we've talked about. I think you're right, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I don't remember. At the end of the dungeon, there is a boss. And what's it called? Clumsy Robot? The Clumsy Robot. It's this silly little... Uh, jokey-looking robot who's not very good at its job. Mm, I don't know about that. He's pretty strong. Only sometimes. Well, it's... it's you know, it, uh, it has two natures. Because on the one hand, it's pretty strong and can wreck you, and I've been defeated by it. But on the other hand, um, a lot of its... Um, attacks are portray it as a uh, dope it is clumsy uh is lost a gear and yeah lost a gear and some bolts mm-hmm. the clumsy robot reapplied a bandage the clumsy robot cleaned the area the cl- clumsy robot wanted to go and get a battery um, <laughs> and it can also eat a bologna sandwich and that restores all its hp right mm, supposedly yeah. Uh, yeah, supposedly. But it when can also, I see like, this in the text missile. dump, it can also shoot a missile. It can and take wreck Jeff out very like one much. hit. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of a disorienting uh, enemy too. Everything is jumbled it's, in here. It's scary. Yeah. And the guy keeps restoring all of its HP every time it eats a bologna sandwich, mm-hmm. which is not fair at all. And you're like, how can I possibly defeat this guy? It's this game cheats. Mm-hmm. But then suddenly some guys rushed into the room. And we talked about this yeah. with uh, with J-Mac. Jason. Yeah. Finally, the game cheats in your favor. Yeah. The fact that um, the restoring all HP uh, message isn't part of the text dump next to Ada Bologna Sandwich makes me think that it actually is restoring all the HP and it's using some separate counter to decide when some hmm. guys should rush into the room. Hmm. They're tearing up the street outside. I cool. was hoping I wouldn't have to say anything about it, but I realize I'm talking while there's beeping and I won't be able to get rid of the uh, beeps. Fair enough. Listener, you understand. Hope you like beeps. One thing we didn't talk about with J-Mac was when some guys rush into the room, you get some awesome Runaway 5 music for their arrival. And what an amazing storytelling technique. It's not... I mean, it says right away, it was the Runaway 5 and they came in. But like... The music tells you, it's the Runaway 5! They showed up in the middle of a boss fight! Yeah. Before you advance the text to reveal that it's them. Um, The idea uh, of, like, somebody showing up in a video game and their music overpowering what else is going on is, like, Mm -hmm. potent. And I know, Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's lots of video games that do this, but this is a specific example here where it's like, oh, no, they showed up. It's Runaway 5's music's time. They're more important than this boss. Yeah. I mean, you know who does this. Mm. Probably a lot of people, and I can't think of a specific example. 
I'm just thinking of, you know, every Star Wars movie where you hear the Millennium Falcon motif and you're like, oh, thank goodness. Oh, okay. The Millennium Falcon is here to save us. There you go. There's a lot of good dialogue. Oh, good. No, just musical storytelling. Yes. During battles. (laughs) Uh, And the difference between those examples is... The Runaway Five are announced, not necessarily with, like, this is new music for this part, but it is is doing some of the same, it's doing that, like, uh, organ walk up that the, they do in concert. So it is kind of, but it's, I mean, partially it's the instrumentation that announces them more than the melody, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Anyway, you said there's a lot of good what, Zach? There's a lot of good dialogue here in this section where the Runaway Five all have fun things to say. Uh, You get the amazing line, the room next door seems suspicious somehow. Mm. (laughs) Uh, And then you get the guy who is looking for the restroom. Yeah. Um, Is that the... One of these guys is blocking the door out to the rest of the dungeon, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the guy who's telling you to go to the next room... You know, the game doesn't really need that hint unless they're trying to keep the action moving along and not ruin this moment by having you hang out with the Runaway 5 for five minutes. We should check out that room. Okay. It's a big, ostentatious gold room like before. Uh, And Paula is here. And Monotoli is here. And a big old bear is here. Also, it's... um... (laughs) Paula's theme or like the Pulsar preschool music yeah right? it's only the yeah. second time we've heard this music I think because uh, it, it wasn't in the, the cabin where Paula was being held oh. the last time she was kidnapped right maybe I, I don't remember I think it was I, there yeah. oh okay yeah. so yeah it's, it's Paula's theme it's kidnapping theme <laughs> <laughs> that's good do they play it at uh, Pulsar after she gets re- Oh, it might have, it might change. I don't remember. I it is kind of a stressful music to yeah. be in a preschool all the time. Yeah, yeah. I well, think it gets, it it gets more triumphant in the middle, but yeah, that I yeah. I thought it changed. Okay, all right. So yeah, it is the kidnapping theme. Awesome. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's very appropriate for this moment because this is a strange moment. First of all, there's that bear, which is a little startling but it's just a it's just a stuffed bear i guess uh yes this bear won't attack you he's stuffed this is not long in game terms after you see the uh jukebox at jackie's cafe that apparently is only for decoration Mm. and so like part of the personality of foresight is these appearances with nothing underneath Mm-hmm. And Manatoli, who we thought was some sort of evil mastermind, is a sniveling old man. Weak and gr- dumb. Um, yeah, but this is sort of a where... touching realization, I think. I mean, at oh, least yeah. for me as an adult, I probably didn't feel that way as a kid, <laughs> but... Um, but seeing the person who was gripped by whatever the money, money statue did to him, 
and then feeling remorse for what he's done. I'm sorry yeah. I kidnapped Paula. He comes right Look out. Look at my it. skinny arms, thin body, and gray hair. I've become so weak since I lost the Mani Mani statue an hour ago. Uh, I, I, I'm I still confused as to like how 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 strong was Monotoli before he got the money money statue because like did he have a building with his name on it before this game started no I, I was I would think yes because well I don't know like when, when did this when did he get the statue it was pretty recent we saw the statue in right. another town so it seems like the building and all of the offices would have been the same I mean, Master Belch says Gygus has already succeeded in getting the Money Money statue into Forsyth. I'm not sure. I wish I could actually give you chapter and verse on when you're not allowed to enter the Happy Happy uh, mm -hmm. Center. Because you can see the Money Money statue there as long as you can go into that building. Mm -hmm. uh, but, like, we can say... Oh, well, hold on. When you enter Threed, you're in Threed for a while. You do all that stuff in um, Grapefruit Falls, Saturn Valley. Uh, you drink coffee. You get back from Saturn Valley. And then you try to go to Foreside and you get waylaid by uh, Buffalo. So there's potentially as long as a week that the Mani Mani statue is unaccounted for. Mm. And they definitely could have built the Monotoli building in a week. <laughs> and he could have bought off all the police and established his iron grip over the city in that time. I no, have I always Yeah. Other evidence to present. Oh. Okay. Um, there's a character who I thought we were going to meet this episode, but it turns out he doesn't show up till very late in the game. Uh, do you guys know about Mr. Enrich Flavor? Okay. There's an this is someone that I, I said that I didn't remember who you were talking about, but I think I know who you're talking about now. Yes. He shows up at the very, very, very end of the game, um, as another rich person. Uh, but I looked it up in the text dump and... There is a line of dialogue. I think this happens at the end of the game. We're jumping ahead, folks. Buckle up. Uh, where you can find Monotoli again. Uh, and he says, Oh, Ness, Paula, I'm Geldegard Monotoli. Don't you remember me? I returned this building to Mr. Enrich Flavor. Now I'm working as an elevator man. Wow. Uh, so he must have hit it big and cheated Enrich Flavor out of this cool skyscraper. Which, okay you know and this isn't the person that we were discussing for f five seconds in the previous episode uh, remains but to for, be seen um but that's not important for enrich in what the, is important is that yes yeah, yes okay so the building was there it was just the name that had to be moved around i still think that like for for monotoli to start from zero get the money money statue and establish a reign of terror over foreside 
in the amount of time that the game gives us comes off as kind of goofy but i guess that's 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 what the text is telling us okay well i would buy that he's like a mid-level guy and yeah okay in the, the the rich man's company or something and uh got got it in his head to become something bigger you could even imagine that like this whole section plays out over the course of a longer period of time than is that is represented in the game you know an old city wise man called it money money i wonder do we even know for sure that the old city wise man in everdread's speech is monotoli we don't no it's pokey hmm. in disguise <laughs> yeah we oh couldn't. yes <laughs> his randall flag powers <laughs> uh, so okay 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 monotoli is indeed a tragic figure mm-hmm. who was seduced by power and statues but he apologizes and he gives paula back and paula is like it's it's fine <laughs> Yeah. I hope you weren't worried about me because I've just been chilling in this office for however long. And, oh, uh, he has a speech. I'll tell you everything. The Mani Mani statue creates an illusion. It attracts evil spirits and weakens your heart. The power scared me so much, I hid the statue in the warehouse at Jackie's Cafe. I often went there to pray. Cryptic wor- words appeared to me while I was in the illusion. Ness, your name, appeared in the cryptic messages. Stop Ness and do so by your own hand. Or don't let them go to Summers. Or make sure they know nothing of the pyramid. <laughs> really bad plan by Gygus to say, don't tell Ness about the pyramid that he doesn't know about, that you didn't know about. <laughs> I didn't. I, I don't fully understand the messages, but someone obviously doesn't want you to go to Summers. Evil. Gygus or something. I could hear the name. Anyway, the evil side would be in trouble if you would visit Summers. Oh, on the contrary, you should definitely go to Summers, especially because they don't want you to make it there. Uh, would you like to hear the whole story again? No. Summers is located across the ocean. Take my helicopter. I'll open the door to my heliport. To enter the door to the heliport, of course, he needs to push his big stuffed bear in front of the other door uh-huh. and then hit the secret switch that opens the heliport the very cool extra door animation <laughs> yeah. the game does not need to treat you to but it's rad and then you go out to the heliport and you get in the helicopter you fly to summers and fly we'll away into the sunset the episode but wait oh wait <laughs> Well, somebody is a pokey. Pokey is is the again more animation than we really deserve of the helicopter starting up without us getting in it, and Pokey sticks his big fat head out and says, "What does he say? Screw you, Ness." Yeah, basically. Yeah, spankity spankity. Uh, but uh, I wish I knew like if he was trying to. Uh, if does he say where he's going? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think okay. so. He just wants to thwart you. He's just got to ruin your plans again. 
He doesn't know. You uh, know how to no, teleport. His, his speech is so generic that I don't even know how to start looking for it. In the text <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. Yeah. There's Typical nothing substantive here. You can go back in and tell Monotoli that Pokey ran off and Monotoli is like, oh, I hope he's okay. Uh, making him yeah. like the only person in the game to show sympathy towards Pokey, which is wow. fascinating. Very noteworthy, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have a good point because Monotoli is the only person we've seen who was... No, he's not. Because uh, Carpenter was the same way. He was drawn in by the Mani mm-hmm. statue and was able to overcome it. Um, but like Carpenter doesn't say anything about Pokey. Um, Monotoli occupies a unique position of having seen what that power or that seductive evil does to you. And so, I, you know, he might be wiser than Ness on this issue at the mm. moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the way out, Paula gets a plot premonition where the screen just goes black <laughs> And the music gets quiet. And then it comes to, and she's like, sorry about that. Uh, hey, we have to go back to Threed. Mm. Yeah. Uh, which is a good thing, because we're going to uh, be railroaded there in a second. <laughs> <laughs> you walk out back to where the Runaway Five are, and you get the incredible line of, wow, you guys did a lot while I was in the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> And he says, we can take you to Threed. And so I'll get the bus and wait for you just outside the building. And then you, you know, you have to walk all the way out of the building or take all the elevators. And then if you're like, well, I have more stuff to do in Foreside before I get on the bus to Threed. Lucky comes out and grabs you and says, <laughs> there's no need to wait, <laughs> which is a cool passive aggressive thing for him to say. And then he takes you to three and you get to hear the runaway five bus music again. Yeah. There were you. two things I want to circle back to real quick. Oh, on your way out of these offices, you get a phone call from Apple Kid. Oh, who like very helpfully tells you hey don't expect to get any other inventions from me for a while uh i have been busy and i've discovered the primary enemy of you and all of humanity uh, which is a heavy thing to lay on you yeah i think he mentions that he's looking for dr andonuts to build something called a phase disorder i think he says yeah. that at this point yeah he does yeah um, we have to define, find and defeat this being. To do so, we need to invent a machine called the Phase Distorter. I don't know if he says <laughs> Gygus. He doesn't say Gygus in this speech. No. Uh, the primary enemy. But, uh, so that clears the table a little bit to let you know that the next section of the game is not going to have him. Uh, mm. You also get a, uh, I, I assume it's optional, but you get a call from Orange Kid. Uh, yeah, how do you get this? Yeah. Well, I got this because I had given him money before. Oh. Um, yeah. And he is working on a machine to turn boiled eggs back into raw eggs. Thanks, Orange Kid. It's taking longer than I thought. I'm going to really work at it, though. Talk to me later. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's uh, there's one good line uh, from the elevator attendant 
who will oh, yeah. ask you, oh, is that the Runaway 5? Oh, man, I wonder if I should ask for an autograph. And you can say yes or no. And then No, she... it's like, can you get me, like, the, the specific wording is important. Okay. Um, would an autograph be asking for too much? Would it? Yes, exactly. Very and, carefully worded. And then you get a yes or no prompt. And then regardless, she says, uh, not your autograph, silly. <laughs> good joke. Okay, anyways, that's all that yeah, that's business good. taken care of. Uh, okay, so we get on the bus. Ride back to three. Get out of three. Oh, no, you know what? I want to circle back too. Hmm. I think um, that a lot of, like, the plot is moving very fast here. And Talarama gives you a big speech about your destiny. Pokey gets away in a helicopter. Um, Apple Kid says, I've discovered who the big boss of the game is, and I need to find Dr. Ananasis to defeat him. It's all, like... Setting the stage for Act Two of the game. It, it almost um, feels like it's earlier than, or it's later than that in the game. Like you're coming up on the end of the game or something. Yeah, it feels it it it, it feels like a, a, a an a new game is starting. Yeah, or like that was just the prologue, or that was the yeah. first game in this series. Like all of this stuff would be, you know, the end of season one of a Netflix show. Yeah. They they put in all the cliffhangers they can. Uh, mm. All these things feel like, dude, you want to play the rest of this game. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, okay. Yeah. Now can we go to four side? I mean three. Yes, <laughs> you're back to four side again. No, uh, you get out of the bus. Lucky says, "All right, we made it. I'm sorry we couldn't do more for you." Remember, though, we're on your side. When you're having a tough time, just think of our songs and imagine the Runaway Five singing somewhere far, far away. By the way, why did you need to come back here? You must have forgotten some very important item or gadget here. How is that for a guess? Am I close? Well, you don't have to tell me. See you later and good luck. That's such a good speech. I like that. Like, if when you're having a tough time, think about our music. It'll make you feel better. Yeah. Because we're a great band. I could probably do that in real life. Just think about them singing somewhere far, far away. We'd probably help. Yeah. I mean, knowing that they're there to like the pop Bruce into Brothers. a boss fight and help you out is very empowering. <laughs> I don't feel empowered. <laughs> okay. I feel like I'm the weakling. Well, and I'm just... <laughs> very lucky that they happened to be on the 48th floor of the Monotoli well, building at that time. That's the thing about being kids in this game. You can't do it alone. You gotta have allies. Wow. One thing that's the game true. is saying. It's true of Why life are we too. in three? Uh, probably we forgot some important item or gadget here. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I was not yeah. quite sure what that meant. Um, but yes, there was a gadget. There was a broken gadget. A weird on the moment of the game actually like giving you a clue and telling you to figure something out on your own. Because mm -hmm. so far we've seen plenty of situations where the game just tells you go right there. 
and plenty of situations where the game doesn't tell you anything yeah. and just expects you to stumble into the next part. Here they're like, well, there's only one thing you can do to move the story along. Probably some kind of gadget. And actually gives you a chance to figure something figure something out That's on your own. true. It's the Skyrunner. Yeah. Yep. It's been there the whole time. Some guys uh, found it and just painted over the damage parts. Do you know who those guys are? I don't. Those are members of the Zombie Relief Corps who are no longer in the circus tent. <gasps> oh, that's delightful. They've just been cleaning up after the zombies? I guess. But, like, it, the game is treating them as characters with continuity. Mm, that they were yeah. on the Zombie Relief Corps, and then they were, like, greeting you as you got back from Threed, and then they were in the tent for a while, and yeah. now they have fixed the Skyrunner somehow. That's cool. Or painted <laughs> They really haven't, uh, but the idea of painting over the damaged areas and, like, saying, it's good as new is very good. <laughs> yeah. And Jeff can figure it out. He's like, oh, it's not actually that damaged. Uh, and it'll take you back to Winters. But, like, the part of Winters you conveniently need to be at right now. Uh, like yes. Well, it returns to its origin. The coordinates it's familiar with. Yeah. The only place that you would expect it to go, other than the place of the signal that directed it to Threed in the first place, whatever that signal was. Uh, yeah, you, you land in Dr. Endonet's lab, uh, and he's like, oh, you're, uh, you're friends of Jeff's. He wets the bed sometimes. Uh, have you met my caveman friend? What's the caveman? Bigfoot. <laughs> His name is literally Bigfoot. His name is literally Bigfoot. Hmm. Uh, he also, Dr. Adonuts also lets the bubble monkey do all the exposition here. It's very good. Oh, yeah. Bubble <laughs> monkey's here. He just got hitched. And he'll kind of explain what's been going on and give you the hint that you need to go to Rainy Circle here in a minute. Oh, yeah. There was something uh, in the middle. In, if you go to Winters before this, if you teleport there. Yeah. Um, say you want to go back to the drugstore and, and buy some cool weapons and stuff for the other characters that you couldn't get before because you had no cash. Sure. And the, the monkey's fiance is there. Oh. And she says something about the fact that you should go. She doesn't know where her fiance is. He should be um, with Dr. Andonuts and she's worried about him. Um, at that point, there it's her fiance. Yeah. So I had no idea. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah, life is happening for these monkeys in the meantime. <laughs> it's a very monkey filled episode. Yeah. So whenever you're doing in the Monotoli building and stuff, there that that monkey is making her way back to Dr. Andonuts to find her fiance and then I guess they get married. Awesome. Yeah. And yeah, uh then the monkey says this is before you talk to Dr. Andonuts. Sorry, I got it out of order. You pass the cave. You pass the cave north of Stonehenge. Don't you ever wonder about what's inside? Can't seem to stop thinking about it. Go and see what's there. Yeah, We're gonna get out of direct. here. We're still newlyweds, you know. Bye bye. And then another. Uh, I think Jason said this in an email. He was really struck by the way Bubble Monkey just runs away, and his new wife 
kind of looks back at you for a while and walks away more slowly like she's trying to say goodbye and then mm. follows him like there's it's another very fraught uh animation moment of wordless storytelling mm. um now i'm seeing some stuff in the uh text dump that i have no idea where this came from uh apparently it's it's right next to dr and saying jeff wets his bed sometimes he can also say apple kid a-p-p-o-k-i-d no i've never tried it before or i mean i've never met him and he also has the line, a boy named Apple Kid called. I don't know how he got the phone number. He's sounds very smart. Don't worry. He's on his way here. Huh. So, like, when... Maybe that's... If you don't have the receiver phone? No. Can you put it away? No. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I've ever seen that dialogue before. You, yeah. I don't know where that would trigger. Neither. Um, it, there's a typo in it, at least in the this version of the text dump, which might not reliably reproduce Mm. all the typos uh with no additional typos but uh, it kind of seems like maybe he should say this he's got to say this after monotoli building obviously but he can't say it um like while you're still while you have stuff left to do in winters and after you do Rainy Circle, he's going to say, well, okay, I reprogrammed the thing, mm-hmm. and now it'll take you to Summers. Yeah, what is so this? So maybe he, if, if you come back after you've been to Summers, but then oh. how would you... How many times are you allowed to cross the lake? That's a great question. I've never tried other than the uh, intended times. Yeah, I don't. I didn't think you okay. could cross the lake. This is... This almost feels like dialogue that was dummied out at some point. Could be. Fascinating. It it could be that it it is there and and Trigger is at the appropriate time, but there's no way to reach him at the appropriate time. Hmm. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna go in and find the secret dummied out code that you were supposed to be able to teleport to the lab at some point or something. Uh, yes, yeah, teleport to winters, teleport to south winters. Whatever, whatever. Whatever. We, 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 where's the, we're supposed to go to Rainy Circle? Everyone tell us to go to Rainy Circle? They did. They do it. Uh, this is the dungeon that we just jumped to the ending of. Yes. Finally, one last variation on dungeon mm. where you don't have to go through the dungeon. <laughs> yeah. You already just went through, this through the back door of the dungeon. Yeah. Awesome. Like Bowser's Castle. Exactly like Bowser's Castle. And at this point, the uh, enemies inside have been upgraded, but you're never going to fight them. Yeah, this I had kind of a question about enemy spawning where I I come in here and I can just walk straight over to Shroom and do that. When I come back out from the Rainy Circle map, you know, the sanctuary location... Uh, there's a bunch of enemies in there that did not spawn when I came in earlier. And like, can these enemies spawn? Is their spawning dependent on what door you use to enter this map? Hmm. I think so. Because that's generally my okay. experience as well. That like, you're not triggering it because you just entered from the wrong spot for it to trigger. 
you were too close for the spawn point or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because you can go back down into the dungeon and find all these monsters before you fight Shroom. Okay. I think you guys are pronouncing Shroom wrong. <laughs> You're so right. <laughs> You're so right. <laughs> Three O's. Yes. Three O's and an exclamation point. The exclamation point is what does it for me. Yeah. It's so, like, cheap horror film. Oh, it's so good. And it's at this point that I notice that all of the bosses, all the Your Sanctuary bosses so far, have been big versions of normal enemies. Mm. Makes sense. And this might... no. There's going to be at least one more, but that might be it. Um, yeah, it could, a, a nice like climax to your problems with mushrooms so far in this game. Now you're going to fight the king mushroom. And uh, it can mushroomize you, which you thought was a, a silly, unthreatening status ailment. Mm-hmm. But... It turns out that when it's in the middle of a big boss fight, it is much scarier. It's chaos. It's still not as bad as a Trillion Age Sprout, though. This wasn't. This, I didn't have as rough of a time with this one. I had a rough time with Shroom this time <laughs> uh, because both Ness and Jeff got mushroomized, and I was too scared to use them for anything. I was making them defend all the time while Paula took out the boss by herself. Good job, Paula. Yeah. She's the strongest one. If Paula had gotten mushroomized, then I might have, depending on if I had any good Jeff bombs handy, I might have given up based on Paula getting mushroomized. Because, oh wait, feeling strange. Feeling is feeling strange the same thing as getting mushroomized? Can secret herbs cure mushroomization? No, they can't. They cannot. Okay. Nothing you can carry around with you? I don't think so. I bet cup of life noodles does, but I've not tried. That's oh. what I was gonna guess, but yeah, I don't know. Um Okay, so yeah. When it's in the middle of a fight, really debilitating. Jeff hit Ness but, with a bottle rocket in my game. Ah, it's bad. Bad. <laughs> wow. Just a bad scene. I almost got hit with a bottle rocket in real life. Wow. I don't know for sure that it was a bottle rocket exactly, but I have this memory that will never leave me of a firework going really close to my head. Wow. At some point, one Fourth of July, while I was going into town. To see the fireworks, some kid decided to shoot a firework at my head face. If I had been three inches slower that day, we might not be doing this podcast. We'd be podcasting about Chrono Trigger instead. (laughs) I'd be podcasting from a pine box. (laughs) You'd probably get good acoustics there. Zach thinks that my death is hilarious. I'm trying to make it hilarious, but... Sarah, not... what do you think about the prospect of me not being alive at all? 
Um, Is that funny for you? Not really. I mean, it's just a thing that, you know, it's not funny. It's not not funny. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.